Yo, yo, what's poppin'? It's your man Dean Edwards. Welcome to another episode of the Father Bucket Protocol, baby. We coming at you live. Well, not live, actually. Um, we're live. We were a live when we recorded this. By the time you hear this, it's a couple of days later. But I'm, I'm, I'm hitting y'all from Shanghai, China. Um, I've, I've been out here for the last week. Uh, it's been a wonderful time. People are still amazed uh, to see a, a tall Negro. I was going to say six foot four, but some people might still be on the metric system listening to this. Um, and I've had a blast. And and I said, you know what? We we've had a blast with uh with the producer of Kung Fu Comedy, Comedy with a K, right? Just so y'all know, because there's actually another. When I went to tag Kung Fu Comedy, there's a Kung Fu Comedy somewhere else. Oh really? Yeah, and I was I was actually annoyed. That's <laughs> annoyed funny. Yeah, I was annoyed with them, but anyway. Plus, China, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not doing anything if, unless you have eight people right. offering what you're doing. Right, of course. Um, got my man Andy Curtin, both producer of Kung Fu Comedy as well as a very funny cat. Um, are you? You're not doing any of the shows uh, in Shanghai. You know what? It's like it's just one of those uh, conflicts of growth, you know. Okay. Because, okay. Uh, we have just too many comics on our weekend lineup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, previously I'd be able to do, like, a bunch of shows in the right, weekend. And right. now we're like, we gotta get we got to get some faces on these shows. So I, I have to give up the spots. And it's not often I'll take this much of a break from uh-huh. getting up. But, yeah, uh-huh. I, can't, I can't get up for, like, three days. Uh, does it, do you, do you get the itch? Are you going to withdraw? Oh, it's killing me. <laughs> and Muhammad are like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad also uh, helps, helps run the uh, the club here in Shanghai. And to give you all a little insight on uh, on my tour while I've been out here, giving the For the Mucky Funny tour in, in the in the far east um i i landed um well i flew out last weekend shout out to everybody that that caught myself and harris stanton at levity live up in uh west nyack we had some great shows um especially considering that school just started back so you never know like um especially on a sunday night so i was happy to see that the crowd came out on sunday and then directly after leaving the show on sunday um i had to shoot to jfk airport because Dude, did you that I don't want to do your bit, uh-huh. but that bit, which I don't one, know if you were just riffing which about one, which losing one? a day. That is so oh, funny. Oh, yeah, you know what? That was, that was, that, <laughs> I just, that was for the moment, but, no, dude, yeah. I've been telling people. Oh, that's funny, yeah. It's so good. I'm glad you reminded me, because I'll remember to do no, it. I was just, I, you know what I didn't tell people, because I was like, he'll open on it, uh-huh. he opens on that, and I was like, fuck, he just came up with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, but that's the beauty of the of what we do, and the, the muse, uh, um, and the artistic yeah, spirit. If you're good at it, you'll, you'll find something, uh, and it's more fun that way, when when you, when you just get on stage, you have your script. Like, people always ask, I'm going to get back to um, me flying out here, but people always ask me, as I'm sure they asked you, because you're not only a, a funny comic, but you're also a producer um, and promoter of sorts. So people always ask me, so do you do you know what you're going to do when you go on stage? And yes, you have an idea. You have your foundation of material. You have your idea of, okay, this is where I want to land the plane. I mean, we're going to, we're going to, um, go up to 40,000 feet, you know, but the takeoff, it can be rocky, but I, might be a little bit of turbulence. There's a yeah. little bit of wind you didn't plan yeah. for when you put together your, right, right. your recipe. Right, but but that was a nice little mixed metaphor. It, it was. That was that was um, nice. That was nice. Uh, but you know, I actually I had an idea for a podcast called The Process. Okay, okay. That I wanted to. I like the title. To just sit down with primarily mm-hmm. comics, but then go into other things where you go like, all right, 
walk me because because everybody's different. Everybody has a different process. And I love learning. Yeah. From, I love learning from other people. I love learning from people that aren't comics. Mm-hmm. Do something completely different. Right. Right. And they're like, oh, I see. Right. I see the process there. Right. And. and and just how you go from getting something to like how it ends up on stage. Because I feel like myself, I have like a really regimented process. Okay. That, that I, I love the idea of preparing everything and being prepared to do none of it. Okay. You know? that, 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 that's, that's very, uh, very I, Miles I like Davis. The, I think <laughs> the process of preparing, uh-huh. there's a lot of learning that I can do in there. Okay. And I, and I find that in preparing a set, I can write because my brain starts to be like, how is this going to work? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and then you start to because when you're in that mode of being on stage I think a lot of people you just become really efficient in your word choice or you start to like stuff comes out a little bit yeah but if you're just sitting at home it's like hard to kind of nail that and uh, well plus because sitting you sitting at home or anywhere where you create as opposed to actually doing pressure. you don't have the pressure and so you're in a vacuum yeah. sort because you 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 know but psychologically i think you can recreate it by planning your set oh definitely definitely and i mean that's the same it's it's almost like <clears throat> the idea of a vision board right in that you can say okay i these are the things i want to will into existence i want to will myself into winning an Oscar and so you put the picture of the Oscar on your vision board the, and, uh, I, I don't know what this is but is it, there's some book right um no no just that's people do there's my mother name? my mother when I was a kid weird LA shit no 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 <laughs> New York no it's um you have to have you, the, it's all, all good vegans have a vision board right yes they do yeah they do but I mean when I was a kid I remember my mother had um, some little index, some some three by five inch index cards on her on her mirror in her room, and she just jotted down things that she wanted uh, in life, and, and many out. of those. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to drink the tea. She's drawing pictures of herself on a beach somewhere. alone. alone. <laughs> just no kid. Like, right, right. A sign that's with a right. kid on it, and like a red right, line. Right, with a red line. No, no, no deans allowed. Um, but, but so it's similar to here, this is what I want, and then once you actually execute once you get on stage saying to yourself okay this is what i have to do in order to attain the uh those results attain that level of uh, success that i want to want to achieve and so with with that joke that that night we did it that was the first night in I, why can't i say that city hangdo hangzhou hangzhou hey, let me help you out mm-hmm. think joe the name okay joe, okay and you hang joe hang joe but it's it's a it's a bit of a hung so it's a, so it's, it's a hung, hung past, past tense okay hung so joe. hung joe yeah, see and now i won't forget it, every time. it now i won't forget it yeah. but i because it's spelled well, just yeah. so you all know it's spelled h-a-n-g-z-h-o-u well joe is like state oh so okay there's a lot of joes out there ah okay and in fact if you go to like the uh chinese names of american mm-hmm. states like jajo or jinjo i can't remember what it is, but california is a joe well. oh. so joe's a it's a common one but just forget the spelling i'm learning this <laughs> right no i knew the spelling jo, was a rap jo. so it's okay so hung joe and now i'll never forget that because you just anytime you put something kind of odd or weird well, you know this is why like people say peking and stuff like that too. Uh-huh. Because the you know, what you have is you have an alphabet for your own language, mm-hmm. and then you have a different language 
as different sounds. Right. And then because you want people to understand that language, that know your language, you take your alphabet and you try to connect it to the nearest sounding things. Okay. And obviously if there's a B and there's a B, right. you're like, okay, this is an easy match. But then you have like Joe and you're like, ooh, I've mm. got to pick something. You have to pick. Really? That, yeah. So basically what you, if you're doing it correctly, when people are reading your alphabet to speak Chinese, mm -hmm. they're not saying the way they would in English. Mm. Right? They're, they're knowing the alignment between those Chinese sounds right. in your alphabet. And so the wow. first guy to do it was a guy named Wade Giles. And he, I don't know how this system came, got, guy came up with, but it was pretty loose connections between our letters and the sounds. Mm -hmm. And so Beijing, His name is Wayne Giles? Wade Giles. Wade yeah. Giles. The Wade Giles system. That's why I remember Where's it. Where's Wade Giles from? I, I mean, probably British, I would guess. Okay, no, I was just, that's, that's interesting that uh, a, a Westerner, um, well, I guess it was translating for us. For yeah, well, he was yeah. trying to allow people that spoke English to understand Chinese. Got you, okay. But so in his system, it was Peking. It was mm -hmm. P-E-K-I-N-G. Okay. That's where you get Peking duck. And all the old things are coming from that. Mm -hmm. And like uh, Su Chow, you got the whole system. Yeah. And then I think in like 1969 or something, the Communist Party's like, this system's not great. And then they introduced the, the one that's used now, which is Pinyin, which is so Pinyin. effective that when Chinese kids learn Chinese characters, they're so hard, they'll learn the English alphabet first. Really? Yeah, and then use the English alphabet to learn their own characters. Oh, wow, that's funny. Yeah. And, and someone explained to me yesterday, they said that uh, if you go... I don't know if they said in Hong Kong. They said here there are about five versus nine in Can Cantonese yeah, has nine tones, right? tones yeah. versus five tones in Mandarin. There's four, well, there's four, but they say no tone is a tone, so five. Okay. Uh, in Mandarin, and then there's nine in Cantonese. But I don't speak any Cantonese. So. And when you say tones, can you explain not just to myself but to the listeners? So like a tone is a thing that's hard for us to understand because we've never used it before. Mm -hmm. But you got to think about like if you're making a language. You have to make your sounds have some diversity so you have different sounds. Right. So you have the beginning of the sound is different, and the middle of the sound is usually a vowel, and then the end of the sound you have another consonant. So, so okay. you have like ba, ka, da, like you're changing the beginning. Mm -hmm. Chinese generally doesn't have anything on the end, mm -hmm. so what they did was they changed the way that you raised your voice. So like oh. ma, ma, okay. ma, ma. They're all different. Oh, wow. And they sound very similar when you first hear it, but after six months, you're like, oh, they're completely different. Right. Sounds. It's so much so that this is the funny thing is like if you're learning Chinese and you get the wrong tone, it the, the difference the... is so dramatic to Chinese people that what we think, we're like, oh, come on, it's just, it's a similar, it's the wrong tone. The right. rest of the sounds are right. They're like, we have no idea what you're saying. Right, right. Wow, wow. That's like the real common frustration of people getting here. Yeah. They're like, I want to go to Nanjing Silo, and they're like, what? What? Oh, Nanjing Silu. And they're like, that guy just, like, I was so close. And clearly I'm saying that. You can't crack the code. You can't right. together. Like, how, how many streets sound that silly? You know, it's just, right. Yeah. Look, I, I thought in uh, Queens, New York was confusing because you have 243rd Road, 243rd Street, and 243rd Avenue. But that right there, just in everyday language, that which is why I look it so confused. you're used to. I mean, like, I, I, I found when I got here that... I've learned to enunciate better, but like Americans couldn't understand my accent. Oh, really? Yeah. really? And I had friends who would be like, on the phone, my colleagues uh -huh. would be like, 
Because you got to do what Mary Kay says. Because <laughs> you got so... And I'm on the phone like, do you want to have lunch today? Right. They're like, no, but I can understand what you're saying. But so, so say, do you want to have lunch today without an Americanized accent? I'm just curious. You want to have lunch today? Oh, okay. Well, I but I don't hear. know, like, but I don't know how I was speaking then. Okay. It's hard to connect to myself. Because I... I People in Australia will now tell me that they could hear American in my accent. Because mm-hmm. you've been away. Because I, I don't hang out with Australians that much. Okay. And you soften your accent because the heart, like the, the most dramatic parts of your accent are the ones that people can't understand. Right. The ones that you easily identify, oh, that's the Scottish guy, right. are the ones that you can't understand. Right. And when you're that Scottish person and you speak, you're self-conscious when you say that, mm-hmm. people go, what? You keep repeating that part. Right. So you just instinctively learn because you want to be understood right. to soften that part. Right. And so your accent softens dramatically even though there's not so much of a change to the sounds that you're right. making. Right, right, but you're, you're, the you're aware of it. the most obvious sounds change. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Now, I don't know if this is funny for you. No, it's, it's not about funny. It's about informative because even for myself with a, with a British wife and, and knowing that when she goes home, when we go back to oh, England, yeah, she comes her back, accent like comes 10. back. Yeah, it's, it's like new and improved, yeah, right? Dude, I have a saying. When I get I'm back sure. to Australia, I come back here, my friend's like, wow. Right. Wow, what did you just go walk about for a month? Right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, back to my, my, tr- my trip over here. I left Levity... Sunday night, uh, headed to JFK. My flight left at uh, I don't know, like 1:45 a.m. And then the the joke um, Andy was referring to, I said on stage the other night, because I landed on Tuesday, because China is is exactly 12 hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time in uh, in New York City. 12, 12 to the to New York. It's 12 to the to coast. the East Coast, and so which is perfect because. As opposed to me having to do math, like, I, Not I, dude, I go, I go, go to South Africa. I'm like, okay, that's one, that's nine. So now I gotta do math. Right, right, right. <laughs> this has been perfect because, okay, if I wake up at seven thirty, eight o'clock, okay, my family is having having dinner, and I can reach out to them. Or if if I have have to return, my agents uh, hit me yesterday, uh, yesterday evening their time five but it was 5 a.m here you know so it makes it a little easier um and so i i made a joke on uh on on wednesday in Hangzhou. hey (laughs) it it, 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 that definitely helped um i I made a joke when i went on stage saying how you know it's uh it it took i lost a day i i lost a day on stage i'm not on stage on the plane and so when you land you don't know how awkward it is to have to call your wife and she still suspects something's up because she's like so you're just not going to call for the entire day and I'm like I, I, it was Delta it wasn't oh, oh, who's, oh who's she? she oh that's not the joke that I was no but it, oh which the, joke were you well, referring to that was the joke but yeah. the funny part was just explaining that you lost a day right she's like where did it go you're like I don't know I was on an airplane an right. airplane right 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 <laughs> look and he, he remembers the joke better than I did because it was so sporadic uh, sure. for me um, but then I, I landed I, I was. It's been. It's been a, a tiring. Actually, the last day has helped me catch a breather because landed in. Uh, we landed in Shanghai. Yeah, landed in Shanghai on Tuesday morning. Uh, lost all of Monday. Landed Tuesday morning about four a.m. Had a connection. Went through customs. Had a connection to uh, Chengdu. 
At which point, you're looking around being like, ooh. Yeah. I'm in China. Yeah, bro. Hey, that's... and it does and not look like Kansas City. At, at all. Nothing, at all. Nothing similar. I don't know how many Chinese people in Kansas City these days. Yeah, I know, right? They're, they're, they're everywhere now. <laughs> everywhere. So Nora had that joke last night I hadn't heard her do before. Oh, She's that like, is... you go to the South Pole, uh-huh. see a penguin, Chinese person taking a selfie next right. to it. <laughs> she was funny. She was, she's a great, great... Uh, where, is, where is she from? Is she's she, Oh, dude, yeah, she, she's, she's... I mean, uh, you know, there, you talk about, like, a unique voice. I mean, there are Chinese people mm-hmm. doing stand-up, but not so many that are... Like yeah, she was... Female. We have, she was, we have she was three crisp. Chinese girls in our lineup, but, like, born and bred here, and they've got very different backgrounds, uh-huh. and, and there's a real trap when you have a unique uh, sort of ethnicity connection mm-hmm. like that, that mm-hmm. you'll just be generic. Right, 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 right. To have... But they have all three on the same shows all the time. Oh, interesting. And they're quite different voices. Which is which is which is refreshing to hear because as a as a as a comedian of color, I know coming up in uh, like the New York system of, of clubs, there was a time there was um the comic strip live, for instance, you know, God bless uh Lucian Hole who used to run the comic strip, but he who ran the club would actually tell comics like myself and other black comics, Oh, you know what, I already have Wally Collins and Keith Robinson, I don't need another black comic. So I mean, you and Ro- uh, Wally are I mean vastly different. Definitely, but back in the nineties and even into the 2000s, even currently now, um, when they book shows, uh, they're like, okay, we'll book. You're like a, a lot of lineups in, in, in the States, and they have changed over the years, but back in the days, the lineups, it would be a bunch of white comics, black comic, maybe gay comic, maybe woman comic. Sometimes they, they'd say, okay, well, we, we'll, we'll do a, a homosexual comic and a woman, or maybe we can get two for one and get a gay woman, That's right? That's so funny. Whereas hearing you say oh, that... she probably was. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, she was probably happy just to get the spots, right? Well, I, you know? I, I, know, I have no judgment for people. You, sometimes you get you get in, sometimes you don't get in. You right, know? right. I, I think you should take any opportunity. Of like a course. friend of mine got booked on the Comedy Central Asia okay. like two months ago. And the, the network was like, we got a mandate to have women. And she said, oh, I don't know if I'm just getting this because I'm a woman. I'm like, fuck yeah, it, take it, it, take it, take it. Take it no because, and she's yeah. like, she is a good comic, and I would say she deserved it. I'm like, just don't think like that. Yeah, no. and, and, and who knows how many gigs you miss out for being a woman or whatever, whatever it is. Exactly. You know? No, I, I'm all about taking it. You can't it. label that. Yeah. You should take it. When you have an opportunity in front of you, if, if you have some sort of consciousness attached to it, utilize the opportunity to to broaden horizons for the I future. I didn't tell her that they never called me and said we didn't put you on because we wanted more women. Oh, really? oh okay, okay. Which I didn't say that, and I don't, oh. I don't care. Oh. I was like, you know, fine. And I just immediately I applied for sex change. <laughs> but that's but I think that speaks to the progress and also the progressive comedy scene over here. That that they can say, you know what, we we just want funny, and you have three unique. Asian women on one show versus someone saying, "Well, we already have that, so oh, we don't I, need." I love the pressure it puts on. As a producer, I love the pressure it puts on them. Right. Because, you know, I always think about the stories of guys who, you know, so 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 Dice, right, and mm-hmm. Dice Clay would say to Mitzi Shaw, "I want to follow everyone," mm-hmm. and he would follow Pryor right. at the store, right. follow Robin Williams at the store, and. Uh, and he said they weren't even the hardest to follow. Right. 
and he said that's what made him a comic. And, yeah. And I, when I do Chinese stand up, mm-hmm. if if there's another white guy on the show, mm-hmm. it takes away so many of my weapons. Uh huh. Okay. I I lose that like instant like oh my lord, there's a white guy speaking Chinese because right. I just saw another one right, like, right. ten minutes ago. Right. Because the novelty of it. The novelty's gone by the time gone. you go up. Right. So so what's left is being funny. Exactly. It all, all always comes down to Henny Youngman. You have set up punchlines. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so I totally sidetracked you there. You you landed at the Shanghai airport. No, so um, that's the beauty of this podcast is we we go, but we we come back and we land the plane. So Shanghai airport flew to Chengdu. Uh, I think by the time I got to Chengdu, I I landed like three o'clock in the afternoon. Probably took an hour Something to get like to the that. hotel. So it was four. I think the show was probably like eight. 8.30? Oh, really? I think it was that time. Um, it was, even if it was not, like, it was, it was, it was early enough to where I think I slept for maybe three, I got my body collapsed. Because, totally. uh, yeah, body collapsed, woke up, showered, did my show, then we went, they were like, you know, you have to have, you have to have hot pot, Joe. Um, she was like, you have to have a hot pot. So I was like, alright, so the guys were like, yeah, we're gonna bring you to hot pot, but then they said hot pot is a, is a, it's a traditional uh, dish specifically in Chengdu, but all of China. Of, yeah, I mean, everybody they, has their, their version of hot pot is probably the most popular. Okay, okay, and why is that? Because it's spicy? Yeah, I mean, they use, so, so the, the most distinguishing aspect of Sichuan cuisine is like, the, they have the red peppers and then the Sichuan those like numbing peppercorns right 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 numb your tongue yeah and yeah. so when you do the hot pot it's a sea of that yeah and then that, everything yeah. else is sort of in there with it yeah yeah and you, you just you work up this like you sweat you sweat sweat out yeah every like well, you know, yeah. whatever's in your system <laughs> just pouring out your yeah hard. So we didn't do that. We wound up. You're, you're sweating like a Swedish clown in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's inside. <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, so we we wound up going to get Chinese barbecue instead. Uh, on uh, which is also good. Which was delicious. Yeah. Because almost like I likened right. it to street meat in back in the city where you're just eating on the street. Because it wasn't wasn't a big restaurant. It was just a sort of hole in the wall spot. Here as well. Yeah, man. Little plastic stools, and, and that's that's what we did. That uh, there was a place down the down the street from the bookworm, which we which is where we did the show. We had drinks after the show at the club, and then we walked down the street. And they went in, and it was a little refrigerator, and uh, um, uh, Michael took out the things that he wanted them to cook, and we went and sat outside. In, in really the parking lot, they had a couple of like tables, like picnic tables set up. And we ate, and it was delicious. I, I learned what uh, uh, um, uh, the the root. Uh, what, what's the, the? It's like a potato. The something root. The oh, I'm not the. Sure. It's a flower. Uh, the lotus, lotus fruit. Lotus, lotus, lotus root. Yeah, yeah lotus that was great. Yeah, that I was mean, it's delicious. On, it's honestly, it's like tofu where it's really. All the stuff that they put it in, uh-huh. then it itself. Right. But it, yeah, it's great. Oh, dude, it was. I, I, the other thing is, you realize that, like, like I, I don't know what it, it's, I think it's changing now, but certainly when I left in Australia, like, Chinese food was one thing. Yeah, okay. You know, spring rolls. Right, right. You know, prawn crackers, right. this kind of stuff. But when you come here, you're like, oh, there's Sichuan food. Right. There's Hunan. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. the Dongbei food, uh, Northeast. North mm-hmm. It's all these different cuisines that are really drastically different. Some of them are mm-hmm. hot. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Uh, well, it's like Caribbean food where you have you have tradition you have traditional like Jamaican beef patties, but then you also have uh, Trinidad. They're into roti, you know. So it's like that. You have you have West Indian Caribbean food, but then you have these sort of subdivisions of okay, well, Jamaicans make their rice and peas one one way, and then you have uh, the roti a different way in Trini, and then you uh, might have. Uh, people in St. Lucia make their food a, a, a different way, you know, so it's... Um, I am going to have to take your word about that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so then, to, uh, that was t- Tuesday, so Wednesday morning, I woke up early, um, and had to, not as early, but we had to fly to, uh, back, was it, did I fly to Shanghai again, or no? No, you no that, you to, to, to Hangzhou. Hangzhou. Flew to Hangzhou, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Flew to Hangzhou. A fun little taxi yeah. driver. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, we had a nutcase of a taxi slash Uber-esque driver that decided he had to drop his phone off, uh, to, and then we were which, like, which, how do we pay you? Which he then, no, but then he also realized that he needed the phone to, to get us there, because he had no idea where he was Right, going. so now he had to use Andy's GPS to get it was it was crazy, man. Um, and then we had our show uh, out there, which was which was uh, fantastic um, at the Kung Fu Comedy Club out there. And uh, and that I noticed there were a couple more expats in the audience. Whereas Chung Chengdu, and correct me if I'm wrong, people explained to me that there there are 15 million people that live there, and only about 50,000 are expats, and about. 12, 25% of those, so say like 12,000 of them are Americans. So they're not a lot of... Well, not uh, even American, but like, you know, sort of Western country. Okay, okay. As distinct from uh, Koreans, Japanese. Got you. So that's usually what the foreigners are. Oh, wow. Japanese. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the Western countries, mm-hmm. even like Russia and stuff like that, right. that makes up a small portion. And then we, then we, no, not, not at all. Not a lot of people amongst an enormous amount of people. Exactly, exactly. And it was, and it seemed more a traditional shitty, oh, shitty, a traditional yeah, it a, city. It's a bit of an honest right. statement. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed a more traditional it city. traditionally shitty. Right. <laughs> In Chengdu. No, it wasn't like a modern shit hole. It was like an old school shit hole. You know, like brick walls with just shit all over. Right, it. right. Just smeared across, you know, this is art. It's, uh, you know, one of the problems, I think, as an outsider coming to see China, mm. is it's a lot of the same. Okay. So when you see, it's the first time you go and see, like, a second or third tier city, you're like, wow, look at this, everything's different. And when you say, so I, I've heard people use the, the phrase second and third tier, um, would you say, is, is that the equivalent, like, for us... Like New York City's like an and we call, with with re, re, regards to comedy. New, I would say L.A. Well, L.A. Not, New not York about comedy. It's no, no, no. I know. I'm just economics. breaking it down for for people that are, that are avid comedy fans that are listening. Like when I say an A city with regards to the comedy scene, I'll say New York, L.A. Yeah. And then a B city might be a Charlotte, North Carolina. Whereas a, a C city. Might be a Nashville, Tennessee. That that's or that that might be a B. But like a small, like a Rochester, New York, might be. Whereas it's, it's it's a big city in New York State, but they're not going to get the major concerts. Like Janet Jackson's not going to make a stop in Rochester. You'll have to go to Toronto to see her. I don't know what the metrics are. I okay. think it's a function of their size. Okay. Like their population. Oh, okay. And then, so that's how the tiers work. And their political significance. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like some cities, uh, 
you know, such as Nanjing, that was the capital at one point. Okay. And then Chongqing, that was a, that was a, a the wartime capital. Mm-hmm. So they've had roles throughout. Like whatever their population is now, they had a significance at some point. And it's all kind of put together. So the, the government tells you what the tiers are. Oh, they're not, It's not like we feel like... Not comics. <laughs> no, no. T- turns, out, <laughs> turns out English teachers slash comedians <laughs> that are uh, getting drunk in China aren't the ones that determine the economic status right, right. of all the countries. And you know they have uh, other cities. So they have more than 500 cities of a population over a million. Which is a couple of people. Yes, a lot of. What did Richard Price say? Somebody's fucking in China. <laughs> hey, but quick. Do you like? <laughs> I gotta go back and listen to it. I bet it holds up. Well, oh, yeah. dude. It's a, Richard Price live in concert still, I can listen to, like, it's my first time listening to it. He, he just was so on point. And, and, you, and you also listen to old Pryor, and you're like, ah, a lot of people have, uh, have done, done remixes. Well, that's the thing is, like, I think when I first started watching the old guys, uh-huh. I was like, oh, they don't sound that original. And then you realize because everybody's copied them. Yeah. 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 So anyway, because um, I want to get your story. I know we have limited time. So how did you first t- t- take me back and take take the Father Muckin fans back to how did you start in comedy? You started over here? I did, yeah. I was working in finance and I hated it. Uh-huh. And uh, You're from, obviously, you're from uh, Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia, yeah, yeah. And I had, like, uh, someone had said, you know, I, I grew up watching Delirious and Raw. Okay. And I didn't have, like, Melbourne has a lot of stand-up, mm-hmm. but I'd never really been involved in it. I just, those two specials had been a huge thing okay. when I was growing up. Right. I think for everybody yeah. at yeah. that time. And, um... Someone had said to me, oh, you know, you should try stand-up. I'm like, I, I come from, like, a funny family, you know, which mm-hmm. is funny is the currency right. at my house. Right. And, uh, you know, I just needed to do something different. And there was no stand-up, really. There were there was, like, a British guy that every four or five months would bring some old British comics through. And, right. But there was no nothing being done here. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have grand plans or anything. I just said to some funny friends that I have, mm-hmm. I was like, do you want to... Just this bar, and I will give us their microphone for an hour. Let's just write five minutes of jokes each and do it. And we're so nervous. Wow, that's crazy. We, we didn't even invite an audience. So, so hold up, I'm sorry, because that's actually uh, brave and ambitious. That what's well, just stupid and and kind of nuts <laughs> to just say, hey, you know what? Let's let's uh, just ask a club if they'll give us the. No, but it wasn't a club. It was like a, a dive. bar, a dive. dive bar. Yeah. I mean, they had nothing going on. Right. It was basically like an empty bar uh-huh. with a microphone, and I'm like, "Can we use that?" And and you having that conversation with them is this a dive bar that you frequented a lot? Yeah, where the owner was like, like, "Oh, they yeah, had okay. they had some improv there." Okay. It, it, improv had been around for a little while, maybe like twelve months before okay. that, and. Uh, they did like a Wednesday night there. So I was like, mm-hmm. can we do something as well? Okay, and okay. And I used some of the guys from the improv as well. To, to do help. Do you know what the crazy thing is? Of the eight people on our first show, I think four of them are doing stand-up full-time now. Oh, that's good. And, so, and how many years ago was that? Seven years ago. Okay, that's, that's really good. So that's an unusual strike rate. Since yeah. then, I've seen most people don't stick it out. Really? Why, why do you think most people sort of throw in the towel? Oh, it's just hard to make that transition mm-hmm. to earning money right, stand up right. and paying your bills and suddenly at right. some point 
you get more responsibility in life and the commitment right. to be like, it's like, why am I, why am I doing this every night? Like, where is this going? And, right. and I think if people can't see it, and, and then also people, you know, I'm not saying that everyone doesn't have a shot at it, but like, for some people, it just doesn't. Well, this this I think intellectually they can't figure out how to get better. Yeah, yeah, and not just better as a comic, but also better at, at uh, working the the business aspect. Yeah, of well, I think earning. we've covered that for a lot of people. Right. We've and, and it's a double edged sword because a lot of people have gotten really good mm-hmm. and headlined regionally mm-hmm. because we've done all the booking work for them. They've never had to fight to get a gig, and then they're like, "I'm going to move to the U.S." And then they get there, and they're like, "Holy shit! Like, no one wants to book me." And they, because they don't have the tools, no, and they or to, their experience of like winning over a booker, right, or what right. information to give them, right. or showing that you're a useful person that's not a pain in the ass that right. will make their show better. Right. And the, they don't really, they've never been in an environment where the, the supply of co- comics is so much bigger than the demand mm, for mm, comedy. Right. Where the stage time, you know, there's a hundred guys or girls, you know, guys in the gender neutral sense for every spot. Right. And I've always said this, like whether you're running the comedy cellar mm-hmm. or you're running an open mic in a shed in Alaska, right. you've got more comics than you have always. spots. Always. And that creates, you know, conflict. Yeah. So, um, and I'm always amazed. This, this, uh, the, the comic in me is always, uh, amazed when a, a booker of a club will get, will, project their frustration when you have to cancel like for, for instance myself if, if I book spots in in the city um, if I if I know I'm going to be home two weekends out of the month I'll, I'll you know I'll stock up on uh, on on spots throughout the city the gym. right you gotta hit the gym to work the jab but then if if uh, my agents call saying oh you know what we got you this last minute weekend in Kansas City I gotta call the club, and I'm always, I always will. That's that's my if I if I get booked immediately, I'm calling. I, I'm still one of the people I actually call. I prefer calling versus texts are impersonal, and it's easy to hide behind. And yeah, and people you know. might think they put put an emotion in, on it that's not there. Right, right, right. So I'm like, here, let me call. And to you're me, like, this guy's being dismissive. But if you're on the phone, you're like, he's not being dismissive. Right, he's making the effort. Right, care. right. And so if I've made the effort. I, I get I, I get irritated when someone even if jokingly is like oh man you're doing this to me again I'm like dude uh, I actually I'm I'm going above and beyond right now by making that phone call don't make make this work because I'm going to make real money on the road versus doing spots and you have other people now my now I appreciate you thinking I'm irreplaceable but it might be true I mean I don't I can't you know here's the thing is I'm always thinking the other side you know? of course yeah and uh, there are situations where like I, I would never want to stand in the opportunity of yeah, the, in the way, way of opportunity, opportunity for right. a comic because I know how hard it is to get stuff. Right, right. But like sometimes I'll book a show and there's one person on that show that's going to make that show and right. that person right. might not be as replaceable as right. it seems. Right. Even though I have other comics that could fill the spot. Right. Once I fill that spot that show's going to stick. Right, right. And that is less and less a 
a case now that this, the general standard has gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. But certainly there was a time where you got to have that one person. Right. There's no show. Right, right. I mean, you'll have to show, but it's going to suck. It's not going to be the same. So you might actually be a little bit more irreplaceable than you realize. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, ego, like I said, I'm ego will take that. No, no, no. But that's that's I've, I've enjoyed um, kicking it with you this weekend because it's I, I also enjoy hearing... You have a you have a unique perspective. You also you you don't seem pig-headed, right? That's A, but B, you have a unique perspective because you are both talent and booker. You yeah, know? And I'm a much better booker than I am talent. Well, well, why would you say that? I'm more successful as a booker than I am. Okay, okay. As a comic. Do do you think that's uh because you um well, for instance, this week you're you're not getting on stage for a couple of nights in a row. It's not so much that, but, like, as a booker, I'm booking Gad Elmaleh, Mm -hmm. Jim Gaffigan. Right, big, big comics. names at that level. Right. And I couldn't even open for them. Right. You know. Now, you said, if you don't mind, since you brought it up, you and I were talking, and we were talking about a a friend of ours. I won't won't put... put, I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but I still... A friend of ours who was on tour with a big name, uh, a legend in comedy. And he toured with this person for, for a good year, but wasn't really getting paid anything, but was doing shows with this legendary comic. So then a, a, a year, some time passes and, and this comic gets ready to go back out and he, this legend uh, asks him saying, hey, we want to bring you back out on, on the road with us. And, and our friend was like, well, I, you know, it's funny. I almost did an impression of him. <laughs> I, I, it's, I mean, yeah. I don't think you care. Will's so yeah. he doesn't okay, care. Okay, so, right. so, so Will was on the road with, uh, with Damon Wayne. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, the first time he was out, rightfully so, you're excited because Damon Wayans is one of the reasons a lot of us do do comedy yeah, similar to yeah. and they and they went on to have a very productive have relationship a, have a relationship them. and Will is cool with the entire family and and has had opportunities both with Marlon as well as uh, Damon Jr. So it's still I'm sure the relationship has worked out um, financially as well as friendship wise. But when he first went out with Damon, I remember when he was out with Damon. Um, I guess he wasn't he was doing the shows for free. He wasn't getting paid for the gigs, and then when. Well, no, that's not right. Okay, okay, so, clarify. So, so the story is that he was supposed to be paid. Okay. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Okay. It wasn't anyone's fault necessarily. There was no there was malevolent reason. No, there was no malevolent in, right. in, in, intention. He just hadn't been paid. Mm-hmm. And from his perspective, he's, I guess, I don't know how old he was at the time, but I guess a young comic mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I guess I don't get paid for these. Mm-hmm. He, doesn't, he doesn't want to look the gift horse in the mouth. Right, right. Which is a complicated situation to be yeah. in. And when he was re-offered to do the tour, he said, look, I'm sorry, I just can't afford to not be paid. Like, I have to go to the shows where I get paid. And, mm-hmm. and Damon was like, what are you talking about? Right. should have been paid. Right. And then he said, you, 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 need to, you need to see that you get paid. Right. It's your job. It's your responsibility. To, to see that you get paid. And, and for him, there was a huge lesson in that. Yeah. And then I think, that, you know, which he shared with me, and, I, and I've taken that on board as well, is that you... You know, it is up to you to you gotta speak up for yourself. Nobody's yeah. gonna nobody's gonna stomp harder. Which is like it's it's an easy thing to say. Like it's an easy thing to say. Yeah, I'll tell that. Right, right, right. Fucking pay me. Right, but, know, but but the reality is that when you're in that moment, yeah. and this superstar is giving you anything, right, you're, which you you're know, happy to take. You know, and you're a hungry mouth. You yeah. know, you, you don't want to. 
look the gift horse in the mouth. Right. And, and but right. it is the but it is what you should do. Right. And that's so, what the lesson is. And that's that's for for everybody listening for because because a lot of new comics or newer comedians will listen to this and that's you know that's why as the Father Monk Protocol we like to drop jewels on them. Everybody is listening. Hey man, make sure that you speak up for yourself. You don't have it's not about necessarily disrespectfully, but you just you have to stomp for yourself because nobody else is going to stomp for you the way that you can stomp for yourself. And there is a way for you to ask for what you rightfully earn and what you rightfully deserve. Yeah, there's a bit of an art to it. There is an art. There's yeah. an art and there's a that, so going back to yourself, you're booking big names like uh like Gad and, and Gaffigan. And so do you do you then also um utilize that same uh wisdom or is it a little different um when you're booking them and say and saying to I them mean, that's a whole different industry. Yeah. Okay. You know? Like when you're at that level, there's no winning people over. Right. It's not about winning people over. Right. You right. if you're on the phone you're in and you're in the game. Right. You know, but it's about, it's more of a negotiation on the money and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem with, with those, with big acts playing Asia right now mm-hmm. is big acts have, I think at least the agents have this fear that they're going to run out of steam tomorrow. Okay. You know, so, and, and they get, the agents aren't on the road. They're just, they get paid for their fees. So right. They don't care where they are. Right. Their job is to get the most money in a new year. Right. And so they're filling up the schedule, and Asia doesn't. Very few comics ha- are as well known here as they are in their markets. So you know they're more looking at like people that have an interest or some space or mm-hmm. whatever. And so the conversations are more. You know, we're already past the like, like if as a comic, if I go to New York, mm-hmm. I gotta go and be like, hey, I'm here, I'm in town. Here's, mm-hmm. a, here's a video of me. How can I help out? You know, right. and brand knows. But when, when I'm dealing with WME, you know, I have Kevin Hart and right. KL. Right. You know, we're, we're on the phone. It's right. like, is this work? How do we get you know, right. the numbers work? What does right. it fit in with the schedule? Because you also work for Live Nation. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm running their business in Asia now for okay. comedy, um, which is a very different place to where I'm at as a comic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to me, it's I feel like a pirate. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. They they, they they let me in the, the room with the treasure. Right. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And like my dad, who's generally disappointed with my life choices, you know, he thinks this is a good company, and he said to me, "You know, there's a corporate ladder that exists in this business." Oh, I'm like, well. I'm like, you don't understand me at all. Yeah, no. I'm like, I don't want my boss's job. Right. Right. He's busy. I don't want to be busy. Right. I'm trying to keep it. I'm going to try to stay in the game. Keep this as, as light that, as possible. Like, I really believe very passionately about the art of stand-up. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to, in my life, make a meaningful contribution to the art of stand-up. Right. And, uh, and, and I, I watch it and staying in the game, I think is just such a huge part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, people get knocked out for whatever reason. So success knocks people out of the game. Success because, success and fear of not being able to attain and achieve the same level of success, I see, uh, hits a lot of people in the head. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting offered movies, yeah. like, and you're, you're shooting a movie in the desert for six months. Right. You know, what do you do with your stand-up? You know, now that, here's what's funny. If the stand-up in me is going to like, find a way, like, yo, let's, let's go to a tent. Yeah. You know? like, come on, look at these cars where they sit around yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. These, these people need some punchlines. That's what they need. Yeah, bro. I, I, that's because I, I would 100% do that. But yeah. I mean, I was, I was listening to, you know, we're talking about Norm, how uh-huh. go down, he was just on Howard Stern. He was talking about between him and David Spade. Uh-huh. 
the difference was that Spade would get work. Right. And would have to stop doing stand-up because no, right. Norm, because he's, he's not getting booked on stuff. He just did stand-up just the whole stand-up, way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I hope that I can do that. But, I, but, I, but I'm a promoter to allow myself to. You know, it's a salary. I got a kid. I got right. another kid yeah, coming. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I could stay in it without that. Right. I was just hitting open mics or scrounging for whatever I can. Right, because I, I had a conversation with a, a comic friend uh, recently that was frustrated because the market that uh, she lives in, and she, to me, success, and I, you, you've heard me say this on this podcast, but to me, success really is is um, is based on what you define it as. And so I, I said to her, because she was feeling so down on herself. So you lower your huh? standards. <laughs> or that. <laughs> but success is, as a, if, you're, if you're a stand-up and you're earning a living and, and, and on the road, even if you're, if, if you're not making the, the most money, if you are able to pay your bills, to me that's a success because you're not going oh. and, and, and oh, yeah. punching if somebody can, else's clock. If you, you can know. live off stand-up. That's, that's a win. To me, that's... I mean, I have so many friends who are... You know, successful comedians that people mm-hmm. know. Right. I'm, I don't want to name them, but because uh, because of what I'm going to say is that they're complaining about where they're at, mm-hmm. and 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 I am a friend. I listen to it with the back course. of my mind. I'm like, dude, I fucking killed away. Right. 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 But that's but like it's it's all relative based on where you are uh, career wise. But to me, the 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 way to not lose your mind in it is to always maintain one foot on the ground to be able to at least reflect and say, you know what? No, I have one and I, I'm winning. I just, of course, I want more. We yeah, all want more. I don't more. think that's a problem specific to stand-up. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm just I mean, saying... it's the eternal problem of people not realizing that a sense of discomfort is a sense of discomfort. Right. And you just, you have a sense of discomfort... And then you place a name on it with whatever's immediately in front of you. Right. You feel uncomfortable, and you go, "Oh, it's because I don't have this." It's like right. no, you just feel uncomfortable. Right. That that if discomfort you was there. Become aware of your feeling of discomfort. You can see that it isn't real. Right. And that your lack of whatever that is doesn't matter because you have all this other stuff you're not really thinking about. Exactly. Exactly. Get, get a little bit metaphorical. Hey, man. No, we we don't have some good conversations out out here in Asia. I didn't realize, didn't realize Tracy was here. Well, Tracy's every anytime I'm in the wood, he comes out. <laughs> Sometimes, shoot, I, 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 them two women sitting up front last night, they, they could got pregnant two times on a Tuesday. They, I, they, I think everybody thought that. Yeah, every, yo, there was, there was the dude, the, the one married dude in the room last night, I saw him looking, I was like, dude, you're, your vision of them is obstructed, but he still was like, damn, they bad. They were, they were fine. Um, <laughs> so you go from... Hashtag me too. <laughs> hashtag me too. <laughs> me as well. Um... At what point, how did your business grow from you and your friends taking over this this dive of a bar to you then taking it to the um, next it level? A, it was a long, it's a long story. Uh, it was a uh, lot of steps that happened in yeah. it. Um, you know, I, about the abridged version? Uh, I mean, there were like, th- there were moments when everything changed. Mm-hmm. There was a moment where 
I had I had a really bad working situation. Mm. I had to quit, mm. and my uh, my my very close friend Turner Sparks, who, who now runs Kung Fu Comedy in New York, mm-hmm. he said, "Why don't we try to bring professionals out here? Because mm. then we can make we can charge more for tickets, and we maybe make money out of it." Okay. So we started doing that, and I was kind of doing it like I'm going to leave China. I'm leaving this job. I'm going to leave on a high note. Just bring out a professional comedian to China. Say I did it. So you so and just it, and it went okay, you know. So we ended up, and I couldn't find jobs anywhere, so I just kept doing it. And it how how long? How many years in was that? Eighteen months. That was eighteen months in. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's pretty that's fast. Yeah. Well, there was no competition. Okay. There was was there a comedy scene prior? Was there a stand up? You said there was improv. Was there a stand up comedy scene? No, in, no not no, at no, all. No. So you helped you helped create the stand up comedy scene in China. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, then, and then we were instrumental to starting the Chinese scene as well. Okay. Which okay. is now way bigger than the English scene. Why do you think? Oh, mate, they're like producing SNL in China. Oh. The comics that perform here in mm-hmm. Chinese are on SNL. Well, they're, they're the they're the writers. The the performers are all mm-hmm. celebrities. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a little bit different. Okay. But they're all like a, a lot of them are famous. You know, they they'll sell out big rooms around wow, the country. Wow. You know. And now that you say that, I saw. On the on a channel that I couldn't uh, understand, the I SNL saw looking I saw an SNL looking logo. No, and no, no, it is. It's SNL. It's, it's they bought the rights off. What is it? Uh, Lauren NBC. NBC. Yeah, well, do you know what I saw that? And because so many people, I mean, I see flyers around New York City that'll say Sunday Night Live in the same. Oh yeah, what's his you name? Know. Uh, Jamie. Yeah, 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 Jamie's thing. Yeah, good show. Oh, shout out to Jamie. And and so when I saw that on the scene, it's actually NBC's. They own the rights to China, and they also bought from Comedy Central roast battle. Oh wow! Okay. So these guys are legit TV. Yeah. Oh okay. Wow! I didn't. I didn't know this. This. That's amazing. There's, this, there's an SNL China. That's hilarious. So they started calling me Bai Cholin. Bai Cho-in. Uh, which is Bai is was white, which I get white a lot because okay. I have white facial hair. Okay. And uh, but I was like, what does it mean? And they're like, well, Bai Cho-in was this Canadian guy that came to China in like the thirties and brought medicine, modern mm. medicine. Oh wow! I was like, wow, that's amazing. What happened to him? Like after he arrived, he died. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. So there was a sort of like it's like a bit of a backhanded compliment. Right. They're right. like, yeah, you came here and then you just died. Yeah. <laughs> and had no benefit from everything that happened after that. So you are a medicine man of comedy. You've healed the. Uh, you've healed China by bringing I mean, comedy. It's like a lovely thing to say, but it's yeah. like a very sinister. It's very. Yeah. It's very Chinese. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what is? What is it you're saying, friend? Don't worry. Just drink this. Yeah, exactly. Strictest. So 18 months later, you you start bring. Who's your first? Uh, Butch, in, Butch Bradley. Butch Bradley. Butch Bradley. Oh. Yeah, I like. I haven't seen Butch in years. We were talking about him, uh, and uh, after the success of bringing, it's a success. You yeah, I mean, him? we broke even. Okay, know, it's a success in life. And you said he wound up staying here for. He did ten months here. Oh wow, wow, he liked it. But I, I find it seems like I've met a couple of people. Not that, then he came back subsequently. Oh okay, I met I've met people that said they came here for one thing and they decided oh you know what they there was I applied for most people that are successful in, in China that are foreigners uh-huh. end up doing something they didn't come for really yeah and, and I think there's a big lesson in that 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 I learned as well was when there's a real trap in life when you really lock yourself onto something that isn't there okay 
and you blindsight yourself on on a really good opportunity that might be more meaningful to you. Mm. And mm-hmm. there was a moment when I made that transition where I was paranoid. I went to law school. I was mm-hmm. really locked on to doing that. Okay. And and I was like, man, I'm just gonna I'm gonna die of anxiety every day. Mm-hmm not working in an office and then I did it I was like oh this is the best thing ever and now I understand why your father probably even more so had uh, the reluctance of I wouldn't say support but he still he still knows his son that went to law school and well, he still thinks I'm gonna go back and be a lawyer right and so <laughs> in the back of his mind okay you can do this hey, little you know, you do a little joke thing for jokey a while. thing but yeah. you know there are jobs out there still yeah I uh, during my wedding he uh, he did like a 40 minute speech where he just roasted me oh wow and he's funny guy uh-huh. like, he's a well funny you said guy. that there was currency in your house yeah but he's he's really funny okay and uh, I, I was I wasn't drunk, but I like heckled him. Uh, you know, he said he said Andy thinks what he does is comedy, and I go, oh, I think what you do is comedy, <laughs> and he said I get paid for my comedy. Oh, body blow, body blow. Brought the house down. Drops the mic. Right when you're a comic, right, and you get taken down by a non-comic, it's not a great feeling. At your wedding, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It's like the, the assassin gets shot in the arm by right. a civilian. You're like, oh, this right. is my Dude. job. It's the man who shot Liberty Valance at his own wedding. That's yeah. crazy. Jeez. That hurt. I, I'm, reflect, I'm like, yo. <laughs> Your father just sitting at the table like, yeah. But Dude, I think I they're paid. still there clapping. Oh, man. that's. Uh... I think the applause breaks in it. I've been married for three years. Yeah. I, why do I have pictures? I don't even know what your mother looks like. Your mom sitting up like, yeah, oh, in no, your no, face. No, 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 I'm just she's playing. She's on my side. <laughs> no, she's on my side. Well, hon, you know. But she's the opposite. <laughs> like, She's the kind of person that if I was a serial killer, she'd be at the supermarket like, he strangles people so well. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do do a joke about that? No, no. Dude, that's hilarious. That's funny. (laughs) Her mother's undying and unyielding love. She's like, he just has hands that just really gets people. I mean, you saw Dexter, nothing. Yeah, Dexter was based on him. Dexter was a hack. (laughs) Dexter, Ted Bundy, hacks. Dexter is meta hack. (laughs) Boo, no one kills someone that way. (laughs) I get paid for my murdering. (laughs) Oh, shoot. So you you have Butch Bradley, and then how many months before you bring the next uh, act? Two. Okay, so Two, it, yeah. then it became more more we fluid, did, more regular. In that six-month period, we did three. Okay. And at that point, I was like, I think I'm going to keep doing this. Okay. Yeah. And um, at some point, uh, we decided to bring Butch for ten months, and it was the worst thing ever. I mean, you say the worst thing ever. It was the, it was the bushfire that caused real growth, you know? Okay. Um, but I ran out of money. I went broke. It was just a train wreck. And uh, what made you uh, bring him on, sort of to having a residence? To be honest, I didn't want to do it. No, mm-hmm. Nothing on Butch, but I just didn't think it would work. Because mm-hmm. we were, cause he, he, he can do a new hour every week. You know, mm-hmm. He's very improvisational. Yeah. And he had another show that he was doing, uh, kind of a variety show. And it was on twice a week, every week. In the club? Yeah. Well, well we had a room. At a, a different bar. Yeah. Okay. It was a good room. Okay. But we were not bringing the people in, and we were losing money on him, and and he wasn't happy because he was getting, he was getting a, a guarantee and a split. So, mm-hmm. only living up the guarantee wasn't making him very happy. Right. Um, 
And yeah, everything fell apart. Right. And uh, I ended up, you know, going back to my finance background, I ended up building a business model for a comedy club mm-hmm. and finding an investor and getting them to invest in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, out of respect for everyone involved, I'm going to tell you what happened next, but uh, it wasn't good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you landed on your feet eventually. Yeah. Let's just okay. say Butch isn't here anymore. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it got, it got a little messy. And uh, But we built the club. Mm-hmm. And I built this club. And it was beautiful. Kyle Grimms was the first comic to come out and play. Kyle. Who's great. Kyle's Love awesome. Kyle. Yeah. And, uh, he I just had, saw him in I Feel Pretty, uh, Schumer's movie. Oh, I just, no I just watched yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a, he has I just a nice hung one. out with him in Montreal and L.A. Okay. Yeah, Kyle's um, good dude. He's great. Awesome. Oh, we're, we're pretty close, you know. And uh, then when I, when I came, I, I was going back to Australia. I went to Australia, and uh, the landlord changed the locks, mm. stole the whole venue. Oh. Opened his own comedy club. Oh. In what city? Here. Oh man! Wow, is yeah. that club still open? They lost that venue, but they still—they're still around. Yeah. Suckers. Yeah. Suckers. That's grimy. That's dirty. That's business, but it's dirty. It was rough, yeah. and I had a contract, and they just said, you know, fucking yeah. sue me. Right. And I was faced with this choice where I was like, you know, I've got some money left. Mm-hmm. I just done this construction. They kept all of that, and I was like, no. I was like, I could go to court. And I don't know how much money they have. You know, right. I could win and not get anything. Right. Or I could take the... And Turner had lost his business here. Mm-hmm. And was he hadn't, he hadn't lost it at that point, but he was losing it. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the biggest mistake I made was trying to fight them. So I should have just treated them like a competitor and be mm-hmm. better than them. Right. right. And uh, so we chose that route. Okay. And uh, hasn't, hasn't gotten rid of it. But uh, I don't want to... I, I, I'm not above having competition. I think it's fine. I think it ended up being a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting a better venue, which we're in right now. Yeah. Was, uh, that's, uh, but it was rough. We had like a one-year period where we didn't have a venue. Mm. And it was... Uh, we, so were you doing roaming I shows? Like, yeah, just did the back of bars. It was horrible. Yeah. And every, all the comics started leaving. They are like, this is not a good scene to be in anymore. Mm. And it was rough. We got down to almost nothing, and I was about to quit. And just the guy that was managing here, who's not even here anymore, mm-hmm. was like, you got to come see this space. And I looked at him like, I don't, I'm done. I'm fucking, I've, I've had so many swings at this. Right. And uh, the the marketing manager at the time was like, you have to do it. Okay. He's like, I'll stay. He was leaving too. He's like, I'll stay. I'll stay if you stay. Yeah. I'll stay to get it, to see that this is up and running. And right. he stayed until it became a successful business. Wow. For wow. three months. And, uh, and it's great. It's the best thing that ever happened. No, dude. When, a lot of people. When I walked in and I stuck my head in, I was like, oh, this is just a nice club. It's yeah. Nice, uh, and it gets layout. really open up there as well. When it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that, that became the best thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. And then I started running theater shows. I brought in Eddie Izzard. Okay. Love uh, Eddie Izzard. Russell Howard. Yeah. And that caught the attention of Live Nation, mm-hmm. and they said, "Look, we want someone to that can book acts for us around Asia." Oh wow! Uh, okay. And uh, it was a bit of a dance-off, and that was a whole nother saga of uh, trying to win them over. And then last. So week, wait, so they they sought you out, but then you had to win them over. Well, they wanted me to co-promote, which is a normal thing. Okay. So we do shows together. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of were like, yeah, maybe in the future sometime you can, you know, we'll buy you or whatever. And uh, I just wanted, 
I, I, it was, it's very, I watched a lot of people lose their businesses here, mm-hmm. foreigners. Right. And I was to the big I, conglomerates. I, I won't get into it. But okay. You, but but you can lose your business here. Yeah. And I didn't want to. I was I was afraid of that. I was afraid of getting to forty with kids and having nothing. Right. So I wanted to get out, but get out in a way that I could stay involved. Mm-hmm. And and so I found a few different people that were interested, and um, I just put them against each other. Mm. Mm, that was so smart. And it was the right moment because the guy that liked me at Live Nation had a huge promotion and uh, that opened a dialogue to... I don't think I've told anyone this story. That opened a dialogue to uh, you know, what happened in the end and so now I'm running their business in Asia. Dude, so, so the relationship with, with the guy that... Uh You've yeah. been in contact with, and it always comes down. That to me, I honestly believe. But they're that. good people, you know. Right, and Everyone and that. I've met at Live Nation is smart, mm-hmm. very experienced, and really good at what they do. Right. So I've learned so much. And clearly, so are you. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business with you. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I still feel like a pirate in the treasure room. Well, yeah, which you, you can be that, but you're a good pirate because they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Uh, I know when to R. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, give and yourself some like credit. And I feel like the Australian yeah. accent is a little piratey. Okay, it you is, know, it is. It's just that yeah. we have an R anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, just, the, some, you know, that's when it comes back and you go, you think of the bad luck and you go, fucking look at the good luck. Yeah, man, yeah. Because um, so it didn't have to, you, you, could, you could have, uh, is, were, were, our timing's good? I, I, I'm supposed to go, but, okay. but I think it might have been cancelled. Can you pause? Um, yeah, we'll pause for the cause. Hold up. All right, we just learned that Andy has to roll out. But um, first, I want to once again. I've I've said and I've told people back home that I've been speaking to uh, throughout the week. I've had an amazing time here. I look Dude, forward it's been great to having, to yeah, having uh, these these two shows tonight in Shanghai, and then one final one tomorrow. In uh, you know, it's funny. Remember, I said I I keep wanting to say bonsai, but it's Beijing, which is weird because uh, it's Japanese. Yeah, and if you know this Chinese people, not a big fan yeah. of the Japanese. <laughs> not not today. <laughs> A little bit. Not their um, <laughs> so I'm doing Beijing tomorrow, and then I'm back. Um, what What can people? Um, what do you have coming up that we can look out for? Just uh, aside from kung fu comedy here, do you have like big shows coming up that you you said that uh, you've had? Yeah. Well, coming? you know, if you want to check me out, I'm on Twitter at, at Andy Curtin, Instagram at, at Andy Curtin, and uh, you know, I've got get it. I'm like we've always sold them out. We've got them in Hong Kong, Singapore, and. Um, Shanghai. Oh, wow. Wow. Jim Gaffigan's doing eight shows around Asia. Oh, wow. Um, so that's really the focus for us. 2019 is just the, the, the theater shows that are spanning the whole. I want to come. I'm, a, I'm putting it into the ether, right? The, 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 uh, the energy of the universe that I'm going to come back here and we're going to work. I'm going to do Kung Fu Comedy again, but then I'm looking forward to doing uh, big venues with you. Uh, heading uh, uh, Live Nation um, and, uh, and we're looking forward to some great shows uh, for the remainder of my, my tour here man uh, y'all can catch me you know you follow me at all things at I am Dean Edwards because that's who I am you can catch me I forgot to mention earlier that you can catch me uh, at um, at the Vegas Comedy Cellar at the Rio this, this week um, what, what the, what's today's date damn that's how Friday is Okay, so 15, 16, 17, 18. So the 19th through the 24th, you can catch me at the Rio, the Comedy Cell in Rio. And 
And then I, I just found out I'm also uh, back at the Borgata in Atlantic City the first week, I believe, the first week of November, which is November 4th through, yeah, the 4th through the 9th, so you catch me there. And, and other things I'll let y'all know about in advance. Your man Dean Edwards, Andy Curtin, Kung Fu Comedy, what's up? And, and you know what, I will add this, it, it sounds hacky because um, we're in Asia, but a lot of the things you uh, said remind me of, reminded me of Bruce Lee's Be Like Walker, you know, sure. because you constantly had to make the, uh, had to adapt Sure. But instead of, but you did, you did adapt, which is why your your business is successful, which is why Live Nation came and said, you know, we want to do a business with this guy because you learned. I think about that segment all the time. All the time, man. Be like water. Yeah. Be like water, you know. Um, so, Andy Curtin in the building, man, he's, it's been a pleasure. We'll catch y'all on the next episode of Fuck Muggle Protocol. It's your man, Dean Edwards. All love, two fingers, basically.